1: There's joy in every journey.
0: One of the gentlemen that uh, has a feature in that, Rick Tellender, sports columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, also featured in The Last Dance, uh, joining us now on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Rick, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Bill. Doing great.
0: So is it, I mean, I guess at this point in time, are memories flooding back every time you see different scenes, different shots, different recollections of stories and, and that particular period of time?
2: Oh, brother, uh, the whole decade of the 1990s is coming back to me like a, like an avalanche. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm doing a podcast after each one of these episodes uh, at night. Rich uh, Richard Roper and I are doing it. So he calls me, and I call him. We talk with the producer. And then we have made the decision because we had all these episodes early, but we want to see them uh, exactly the way people, you know, fans and, and viewers are watching them because it's so it 's incredibly exciting, I mean, we know how it ends, of course, but uh you know i liken it you know Rich has seen every movie ever made, but i liken it to like all the president 's men which was a thriller with Dustin Hoffman, I think, and uh, uh, Robert Redford way back in the day, but that was about Watergate, and we all knew how that ended too, but it was it was dramatic as hell, and somehow this thing, even the music, is dramatic. And uh, it's building towards some kind of climax, you know, above and beyond winning the sixth championship, which the Bulls will do at the end of this. I'm I'm pretty sure they will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, I got to start with the villain in all of this, and that's Jerry Krause. And, you know, not around to really kind of defend all of this, but is this the way he's being portrayed? it's, it's, It's like a. Petulant Napoleon who just felt he never got enough credit for the things that he had done and the people that he brought along. And I mean, he, he had he just kind of just shut up and fell by the wayside. He would have gotten, he would have been lauded as one of the best general managers ever to put talent and, and egos aside and put it all together for one common purpose. Instead, it seems like he was hell bent the entire time on breaking it up because he wasn't getting his just rewards. Is that, is that an accurate portrayal? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry,
2: but it is, and uh, I wish it weren't. I think everybody who knew Jerry Krause uh, immediately felt what was driving him: this sense of of not being part of the group. And you know, I, it goes back a lot of different things. Obviously, he didn't fit in with, as I described him, as like a uh, a golf ball in a a bag of two irons. You know, he just physically didn't fit in. He made himself present. He was always in the locker room. He was always on the team bus. He was always hanging around. He was always there so that his presence became like this gigantic thorn in the side, particularly of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, the two stars of the team, the two guys who felt personally offended by Krause's decision. The rest of the players kind of tolerated him. Uh, They didn't you know, enjoy it or appreciate it or anything. It was just like you know, if you don't have to be a former basketball player to be a general manager. That's not necessary. You know, John Paxson just got basically fired. He was on those teams. He was making some of the great shots. He won one of those six championships on his last shot. But just because he was an All-American at Notre Dame and uh, a great, very, very good player in the NBA did not make him a, uh, you know, a great general manager. Krause could have been. That's the tragedy here. One of the one of the tragedies, one of the sadnesses here. You know, Michael Michael Jordan's um, father is going to be uh, you know was killed earlier. Right. I'm sure they'll get on that. You know, there's lots of other details going on here uh, that will be resolved by the end, the tenth episode. Um, keep me on the edge of my seat. But Jerry Krause, yes, I, I'm, it, his flaw was just apparent to all. And you know what? I just got a text from the. Um, very uh, nice text from the director, Jason Hare, of this whole episode, this whole thing. And he is in his way. And I even told him, I said, you're the polar opposite of Jerry Cross. What you put together with a huge team of people to manage this gigantic project under the gun. This thing wasn't supposed to come out until June. They said, no, let's get it going in April, bud, because we got everybody home because of the coronavirus. And um, he's... Just a guy that everybody likes, who doesn't toot his own horn, who will get massive amounts of credit for this by staying silent, by staying out of it. And Jerry Krause, you know, I compare it to the opposite was Red Auerbach with the Boston Celtics. Many things in common with Jerry Krause, except he's beloved. Uh, they, you know, they got. A, I've sat on the bench where they have a statue of Red Auerbach. It's somewhere there near the bay or near the old Boston Garden, and it's made out of brass, and it's him with a victory cigar, and it's been polished. You know, whatever people do, uh, sit down, you put your arm around red, uh, you polish his forehead or his nose or his, you know, I don't know what part, but it's just like this icon. That could have been Jerry Krause in Chicago, at least.
0: So one of the things that I found so interesting was that Phil Jackson, I mean, Phil gets a lot of guff because he the talent he had in the championships he won because people say well you had great talent what is so amazing to me is the ability to take that talent and hone that talent on the common on the common plane uh instead yeah. of running these hard practices to see him doing zen buddhism things and philosophy things and yoga things and the ability to manage people is in. Uh, you can't sabermetrically put it together other than by wins and losses, and then you don't get enough credit for it. He's been amazing.
2: Absolutely. uh, It seems like, well, just give him the best talent, you'll win. That is not the case. We've seen it many times. You see it in many businesses, many disciplines. You see it everywhere. You see it in life all the time. Uh, But to hold those pieces together, believe me, I I watch this – with a very interested eye, because I always compare myself to this anything I see, and I think, could I have done this? And of course, you watch a great talent on these of these players, and you say, no, none of us could. Then you think, could I have coached this team? Could I have been the general manager? And I, here's a perfect example of what Phil did, what he was able to do with his kind of calming, uh, accepting, but but tough discipline. He um, Jerry Krause. And i talked to Krause, this is back when they all knew they needed a um, – Jordan had come back from his baseball hiatus. They knew they needed a power forward. They were using Tony Kukoc at that position. And Tony is a European player. He's 6'11", great ball skills, good shooter, but not, not a ferocious guy that's going to go in there and be your power forward. He just isn't. And so you look around, who, do, who can we get? They'd lost Horace Grant from the first three championships. He left. Uh, so who do you get? And out there, everybody knows this, is Dennis Rodman. Uh, but nobody wants him because he's crazy. Uh, you know what he can do, what he can rebound. You know what he brings to it. He'd already won championships with Detroit with the bad boys there, the Pistons. So Krause, I said, <laughs> Jerry, you know, you need a power forward. Everybody knew that. Uh, would you take you know, Dennis Rodman's out there? I know it's kind of throwing it out as a joke um, because I knew they wouldn't. And he said, never, no. No, we won't take him. Well, I want to say two weeks later, they got it. And so what I compare it to is like, okay, we got this guy. It's like handing a ferret to your coach. Here you go. Good luck. And so that's what was handed to Michael Jordan and particularly Phil Jackson. You manage this guy. Now, if you watch that last episode, it was it was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. They have these little iPads, and they're uh, showing them to Rodman to right. – uh, Pippen and Jordan, and Jordan is saying, okay, this guy says in the middle of the season, the championship season, I need a vacation. I need 48 hours off to go to Las Vegas. And Jordan is saying to Phil, you give him 48 hours, you'll never see this guy again. And even Rodman's laughing when he when he looks at So this dude goes off in the middle of the season to party with uh Uh, Carmen Electra and a bunch of hangers-on, a bunch of flacks to gamble, get drunk, do whatever, and then comes back. But, you know, of course, he doesn't come back after 48 hours. But Phil, uh, you know, you could say, well, no coach can allow that. But everybody knew what they were getting with Dennis Rodman. It was up to Phil Jackson to manage him and get the most out of him.
0: And he did. I was just saying earlier that you could never do that in today's day and age. I I, I don't think you could ever let a guy just go – In the era of social media, you'd be, you'd be crucified for it. And the player would be crucified for it, which is, which is why we're talking, by the way, with Rick Tellender, sports columnist for the Chicago Sun Times, also featured in ESPN's The Last Dance. But it's, that was the level of leadership that Phil had to be able to get Michael and Scotty and everybody to, to get them on the same page and say, here's an understanding for what it is we need to do because the ultimate goal is down the road. We have to keep our eye on the prize. And, and that's what's so amazing to me.
2: Uh, you're absolutely right. And I think Phil Jackson, you know, as time goes on, he wasn't a great president or anything, whatever he did with the Knicks. And, you know, Michael Jordan went out with the Wizards after his Bulls career, and that was pretty disastrous. He's not a great owner. He's not, uh, you know, a great general manager, none of that. These people all came together at that moment. And what Phil Jackson brought, he was considered like this, you know, this flaky, hippie, hippie dippy guy, And, you know, he smoked dope back in the day, and uh, apparently, according to that thing, he dropped acid, and, you know, he had the tie-dyed shirts, and he was a rebel. You saw the background he came from, this incredibly disciplined, evangelical, religious, small-town thing in which his mother believed in the rapture, that it was coming, and that Jesus would walk. Uh, You know, and Phil was rebelling against all these things. He had a lot going on in his head, but his study that came from being from uh, the Dakotas in that area, and his uh, beliefs in studying of Indian culture, Native American culture, uh, Lakota Sioux, is very, very important. Uh, and it sounded corny, and I would talk to the players, and they say, oh, yeah, Phil was burning incense today. He was coming around with sage, and he had it lit, and he was waving it over my locker, you know. And he always gave players uh, books for presents for Christmas, and he thought very hard about it. Each person got a different book. And some of them, like Steve Kerr, he would read that thing because he knew what it meant. Uh, Other players read them. Some players, Phil said, well, yeah, you know, I could almost hear it drop in the garbage can after I handed it to them. But he did it year after year after year. And they weren't just like, uh, you know, basketball books. They were books that he thought they were novels that he had read. There were all kinds of things. Very, very interesting selection for each player. So um, this is a different kind of way of coaching it. To this day, I really appreciate it. I think there's a lot that can be learned. Maybe a lot has been learned from that kind of coaching.
0: Uh, Real quick, before I let you go, I also wanted to ask you, so moving forward in all of this, obviously the season culminates in a championship, but was it very surreal knowing that on that quest, this was all ending? This was it? Yeah.
2: It was insane. I mean, you'd kind of ignore it, and then you'd go on, and you'd say, why? I mean, that's the whole question. Why? And so what, that's why it takes 10 episodes to parse the why. There's very simple answers, but then they're very complex, and ultimately it comes down to uh, human frailty. Um, you know, and it just did. And I'll tell you what, thinking about all this, it makes me talk about human frailty. Uh, where were the Bucks going to go this year? I mean, I came up and watched a game. Barry Baum, who is our vice president there, is a good friend of mine. I knew him back mm-hmm. at the University of Wisconsin and in Brooklyn and all that stuff. And so I, he set it up. We came. You know, we talked. Uh, I talked to the owners, everybody. It was just magnificent. And what a team. And you know what? I'm not going to find out how good the Bucs really were. And that's tragic. So these things have a very human element to them, all of it. And you're right. This is the mystery of why this is the end is the you know the big story.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. Rick, I could talk to you for hours. I certainly appreciate your time. I know you're really busy. This has been a tremendous find and watching it at this particular time. But thanks so much for joining us for a couple of minutes. I certainly, certainly appreciate it, okay?
2: Yeah, my pleasure, Bill. You know, I always say, I was saying, uh, Chicago would be
0: uninhabitable if it weren't for Wisconsin. So there you go. <laughs> okay. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, there good, you good. go. That, that is, <laughs> that's Rick Tellender. <laughs> joining us for a couple of minutes, he is the sports columnist for the Chicago Sun Times, also featured on ESPN's The Last Dance. You can find him at Rick Tellender on Twitter. At Rick Tellender on Twitter. He joins us on the Schneider Owen Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard, they treat you fair. 80 plus years they've been getting it done. Call them 844 Pride to go to SchneiderJobs.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,